0: I continue to be fascinated and puzzled by Mike Pence running away from his own legacy. Uh, He is apparently preparing to defy this subpoena by the special prosecutor who wants him to testify about his role on January 6th. And I have to say that I was naive enough to think that maybe Pence would welcome this because it gives him a chance. and could say, I didn't do it voluntarily. I'm not breaking bad. I'm just doing my job as a citizen, testifying to what I knew, you know, surrounding the events of what ought to be my defining moment in American history. And yet Mike Pence apparently is going to fight the subpoena. Yeah. And OK. You're
1: absolutely right. This was a chance. For him to be freed, right? To to do the right thing and say, hey, you know, so gotta gotta respond to a subpoena. Can't break the law. Yeah. I'm a an upright kind of guy and I have lines I will not cross, and this is one of them. So, you know, I'll report. Nope. He's gonna challenge the subpoena. And you know, this is part of his Really extraordinary dance that he has been doing since January 6th. All right, before January 6th, let's face it, Mike Pence was the most supine lick spittle anybody has ever seen vis-a-vis Trump. Post January 6th, he had his moment. Okay. But then he has been all over the place. And you could say he's right walking a tightrope. It's almost like he's walking on a razor blade, you know. And I'm sure his feet are all cut up, where he keeps trying to find that sweet spot where he doesn't offend the Trumpian base, but he forges his own path or explains his own role. So he finds himself in the position of absurd position. When people ask him, well, but you know, on January sixth, Trump sicked a crowd on you, and they were saying, "Hang my hang Pence," you. and he put out a tweet saying, "Pence disappointed me and let us all down." And Pence is like, yeah, you know, I guess between friends, you know, we're not always going to agree. <laughs> I mean, it is absurd. He continues to abase himself in the most humiliating fashion. and For what?
0: Because he's not going to get the nomination. I'm sorry. That's I-
1: it. I just don't understand what he thinks he's gaining. I mean... Even in pure Trumpian terms, you know, the, the people who like the bully boy in Trump are going to despise Pence for being so manipulable and, and being weak. Right. So I don't even see that, <sighs> you know, in terms of appealing to that constituency, it gets him anything.
0: No, I mean, it is absurd because you pull the lens of history back you know, a little bit and what you have was. Mike Pence standing strong, defying the pressure of the president, doing the right thing, affirming the Constitution, going back that night, finishing the count. This is a defining moment in anyone's career. It is a defining moment in the history of democracy. I know people were saying, well, he just was doing his job. Well, a lot of people, quote unquote, just doing their job have also done something quite extraordinary, and yet, rather than say, I stood strong, I defied this pressure, I was the one bulwark of the Constitution, he's running away from it in order to do what? To curry favor with somebody who despises him. Yep. And makes himself look weaker.
1: And would have been happy to see him lynched.
0: So, whatever. (laughs) Now, speaking of being old enough to remember— Nikki Haley, the future of the Republican Party. If it was 2013 or it was 2015, she's out with a very sweet video in which she, you know, <laughs> talks about her role as as somebody, you know, caught between uh, the the various races and everything. But yeah, again, yeah. I'm missing something, or maybe she's the one who is just has decided that she's going to simply ignore her career working for Donald Trump and then more fundamentally ignore how the Republican Party has been transformed. Because what party is she running in? What what imaginary world is, does she think that her appeal is is going to you know, be embraced?
1: Sarah Longwell had a good piece about this in today's Bulwark. You know, she is one of those politicians who – Knows only one thing for absolute sure, and that is that they belong in higher office. Other than that, she doesn't seem to have any fixed beliefs. At first, she gained attention as the you know sort of up and coming new governor of South Carolina. She was a southerner, but she had this you know interesting racial background, and she was all about the South with her you know nice southern accent. And then she handled the racist murder in her state, and then she remove the Confederate flag and the Capitol said it's time to do this. Very nice, very courageous. Great moment. Great moment. Great moment. She seemed like a real leader. And in 2016, when she posed with her arm around Rick Scott and Marco Rubio and the three of them, you know, linking arms, they looked like this can be the future of the Republican Party, mixed race, you know, but everybody's conservative and great. Anyway, Then she decides to join the Trump administration, and now she's at the UN, which is the easiest job in the world for anybody, any American, to excel at, right? I mean, it is such a gift, right? You go to the United Nations, and you kick ass, and you stick up for the United States and our allies, and you'll be a hero. Right. It's very straightforward. And she did it, and that was fine, and she seemed like a real tough cookie on on the international stage. Great. Great. Then what does she do? She says that she is going to support Trump no matter what, you know, uh, come what may. And she leaves the administration. Everybody says, oh, she left with her career intact. She's the only one with her reputation intact. Okay.
0: We said that to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then after January 6th, she says, you know what? We followed this man. We made a mistake. She said, speaking ex cathedra, right? For the party. Done with for the party. We followed him and we were wrong. And we have to go in a new direction. We can't do this anymore. And then let's see how many, like, count them, tick, tock, tick, tock. A few weeks later, she's down in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and Back again. So who is she? I don't know. She's an opportunist.
0: Well, and I mean, that's what the, our colleague Will Salatin tweeted out. He says, my upbeat take of the day, really for me, I'm always looking for the upbeat take. You know, the, the Haley's flip-flop on whether she's going to run against Trump. Uh, Haley's flip-flop is a heartwarming reminder that cowardice can be overcome by opportunism. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: that's right.
0: She was cowardly, but the opportunism was just too powerful. He's right, though. I mean,
1: it is a really good sign about Trump's weakness that she feels that she can do this, right? So that is a good sign. What do
0: you think? I still don't see what her lane is.
1: No. All these people are such egomaniacs, they all think that, you know, they're going to catch lightning in a bottle.
0: To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today.